God's good. I'm so excited about the word today. I'm always excited about God's word, but <laughs> but I was just excited because this was this is like uh, uh, a couple of weeks back. You know, in my quiet times, God was revealing this thing to me week, day after day, and it's amazing. I've I've never seen this before. And I was telling her, I come excited after every quiet time in the morning. I tell Milo, Milo, do you know what is this? And she like she she has to listen, right? I mean. <laughs> She's in a rush to go to work and I'm like, hey, no, no, you have to listen. So, but I'm very excited about the word. I believe it's, it's going to be a rhema word to all of y'all because it's, it is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's a parable that has been, that's hidden, right? The Bible talks about the great mystery Paul talks about, the great mystery. And he calls the great mystery that husband and wife relationship. And he says, Really, this whole business of husband-wife is just a mystery of God talking about Christ and his church. And he just leaves it there. And he expounds a little bit, but he, didn't, he doesn't expound too much. He does expound to a great degree, but it's a great mystery. And Paul calls it a great mystery. The mystery of the union, the union between a husband and his wife. Correct? And then he says, that's a great mystery, but really it's all about Christ and his church. Okay? So it's a parable. So marriage is a parable about Jesus and the church. Correct? So there are a lot of parables in the Bible which are hidden, which is, it's lying there. But when it's opened, you're like, wow. And it, it confirms all the truths in the gospel. So are you all ready for a great revelation of a truth? Which I know you already know when you hear it, oh, you know, I knew, I knew that already. But it is good to see it in light of what, what's in the gospel. Right? So God is good. Okay. The title of the message today is very powerful. I think it's very, very powerful. You should understand it. If you understand this, you will love it because it will just set you free of a lot of stuff. Especially understanding communion and understanding your authority to a healthy life and a prosperous life. If you know this, it answers a lot of your questions. Right? It's very powerful. Very, very powerful. The title of the message is Your Sinless Place. See, Your Sinless Place. We talked about the rest of the place and all of last year we talked about Mount Zion and where we are in Christ Jesus, right? Today the message is your sinless place. A place without sin. Place without sin. Okay. So I was reading this. So God was telling me, uh, the Lord was telling me last couple of months, this month actually, He said, Anand, what happened to Jesus happened to you? What happened to Jesus happened to you? So I've been reading about Jesus and we read about that and but something we have missed. We missed something very powerful about Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. You know what did we miss? We have focused a lot about his death. And we, we, we got some excellent truths from the Bible last time when we studied, right? About how he conquered and was resurrected on the cross, technically. His spirit was raised up, right? He went through the punishment and all the work was finished. When? On the third day or on that day? On that day. Because he said it is finished. Right? So, but something very powerful is missing in this whole piece. If Jesus is, uh, the, what happened to Jesus happened to me, let's now follow very closely what happened to Jesus. So are you willing to go through a journey to just find out what exactly happened to Jesus after the cross? So we, I'm not going to go to the cross, but exactly what happened after he said, it is finished, right? Now, now things should be different. Yes or no? Yes. Has sin been paid? Yes. 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 Has sin been covered? Yes. 
Has your spirit been renewed? Are you born again? Because Jesus is resurrected in his spirit, right? And he has committed his spirit into his father's hands. Now he is at peace with the father, correct? He is gone. He's gone down and he's rescuing the souls who has been in uh, preserved in rest. And he's taking them to be with the... Because he told the thief, one thief on the cross, what did he say? Today, when not after the third day, today you will be with me in paradise. So when did the thief go to paradise? Interesting. Did you ever think about it? He went to paradise on that day. Powerful. Have you thought about that? Not on the third day, that day. So paradise was available. You know paradise was available because the veil in the temple was rent. The temple was open for you to access him. That's paradise where God is. Amen? Isn't it? So everything was ready. The first guy who went in was possibly the thief. I don't know if anybody died between that. An apostle died between that. I don't know. I think the thief that went in first. Today you'll be there. And that guy did not do anything. See how grace is sufficient to get you into the kingdom. Because it's not about you. It's about him. Amen? So let's see what happened to Jesus. Let's go to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John chapter 19 verses 31. 31 to John chapter 20 verses 10. Okay, I'm going to read this. Therefore, because it was... Now you've just finished, right? Just look at the previous verse. And bowing his, bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. That's Jesus, correct? Yeah. Work done. Say it, work done. Work done. So now, whatever happens to Jesus should also apply to you. Because whose death did he die? Our death. Whose punishment was that? So you were punished, correct? Once for all, your punishment has been paid, correct? You were punished. Say, I was punished. I was punished. Don't say, Jesus was punished. I was punished. Because you have to internalize that, that you were punished. Because if you don't believe that you were punished, you cannot believe that your sickness was free. Because you were punished. You cannot be punished two times. But you'll say, but Jesus was punished. No. Jesus was not punished. Jesus never committed any sin. How can Jesus be, be punished? He, you in him was punished. But Jesus took it. But it was you in him. Because if you in him was punished, and you in him died, therefore you in him resurrected. Make sense? So you, so it's not like Jesus did something and I, have, I also have to now die. You can only die once. It's appointed for a man to die once. So when did you die? The Bible says, he who believes in Christ shall never die. But it says, it's appointed for a man to die once. Let me repeat. It's appointed for a man to die once. So if you cannot die in Christ Jesus, how will that be true? Because you died in Christ Jesus. Because you died. You died, brothers and sisters. But you say, I was not even born. <laughs> now, now you're getting into technical technicality. God put you in him and died you. <laughs> Word like that, but that's what happened. He put you in you, died you, and then got you out. 
He can do it. He says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. He was outside time. Outside time he took you out and killed you. Killed you means punished you. In Christ Jesus. So you died. Brothers and sisters, you already died. So therefore you cannot die again. You died once. Therefore you cannot be hurt by the second death. Revelation. How can you die two times? Doesn't make sense. Because we already died once. right? I died once. So if sickness comes to you, you should say, I'm confused now. Satan, I'm really confused. I already got punished for this. What is this going on with me? See, that's holding fast to your confession. That I died already. I cannot die again. So what, I, what, I, what are you trying to do with the symptoms on me? It doesn't make any sense to me. So you say, but then, then you know that those symptoms are false. It's not judicially valid. It's false. He's just roaring. No bite in it. Don't bite it. Right? Okay. Don't take his teeth and bite yourself. Right? <laughs> That's what pretty ones do. Take his teeth. <laughs> and then... <laughs> he has no power. Don't take his teeth. It's funny, but that's what believers do, you know. No power, but I will, can I borrow your teeth, please? <laughs> Don't borrow his teeth. Therefore, what happened to Jesus is going to happen to you. I'm excited. Therefore, because it was preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. For that Sabbath was a high day. Immediately after we finished, what's starting to happen? It's Sabbath. It's rest. Correct? So it's rest. Correct? It's rest. Immediately after he died. So a finished work means what? It's rest. You cannot work any longer. Correct? So, we who are now in Christ Jesus who are resurrected, because we have been raised up, because Jesus was resurrected in the spirit there, right? His spirit is now with the Father. Therefore, we are with the Father. So, G his, Jesus' spirit is right now, at this point, with the Father. Correct? Seated in heavenly places. Amen? Are you all getting this? Yes. Yes. Okay. Where is his body? On the cross. Correct? His spirit is in heaven. Where is his body? On the, on the cross. On the earth. Amen? Are we good there? So we are on the earth. So is our body on the earth? Is our body on the earth? Yes. yes. Our body is on the earth. But is our spirit on the earth? No. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Correct? Because we are resurrected. We have a father right now. We are not of this world. Our citizenship is not from here, the Bible says. We are not from here. Our spirit is now seated in heavenly places. So just because the queen of England comes to Dallas, doesn't mean she's still not on the throne in Britain. So it doesn't mean she has to be stuck to the throne. She walks around with the throne. Because the, the constitution says, I have to be sitting on the throne. If I get off the throne, I'm not on the throne. See how ridiculous that thing sounds. I have to walk around with the throne. No, it doesn't make sense. That's how you are as believers, right? We are seated with in heaven, right? But we can walk around on the earth, but we are spirits are in heaven. So authority is in heaven, right? Amen? Make sense? So our bodies are here on the earth, right? There's going to be a technical question. Now you need to answer because if you understand this doctrine, you'll understand a lot of things in your life, right? Because, but it is a Sabbath day. Therefore, you cannot work any longer. So your legs have to be why? People with broken legs. <laughs> so in this, in this covenant life that Christ has given you, if you try to walk, 
What kind of walk is that? Crippled. Crippled walk. With your efforts that you try to walk, that walk is a crippled walk. Therefore, you are walking with broken legs. Therefore, you are messed up in your walk. But if you rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ, things come to you. Things happen for you. Even what you do produces fruit. Amen? But if you walk, therefore he says, let the lame be made straight and let broken bones be made straight. The Bible says, prophesies, let crooked paths be made straight and let everything that is lame be made whole. He's talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ. In the finished work of Jesus Christ, don't work. Guess what? You have broken legs when it comes to your effort. Correct? Don't work. So, so very interesting. So the legs were broken. So the Jews asked Pilate to then let see everything that they did to Jesus is prophetic, including the breaking of legs. You think that it's all accident and all? It's orchestrated by this God in heaven, prophetically putting us all in there as prophetic parables of what's happening to us, to the church. Amen? It's prophetic. The legs are broken, correct? Let me ask you a question. Whose legs are broken? Not the Correct! Why is Jesus' legs not broken? He is the one who did the work. God says, let my son do the work. You don't work on my Sabbath. Sabbath doesn't mean God does not work. God did the work. And he finished the work and he rested. But who did the work? His son did the work. But you cannot work. In fact, the Jews asked him, what must be in John chapter 6? Powerful passage of John chapter 6. It's a long passage which talks about feeding of the 5,000. Goes down to Jesus says, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. And then finally the Jews ask him, what must we do to do the works of God? What they are asking really is this. Can you tell us? Because they are so amazed by this miracle of feeding of 5,000. Because they have never seen that anywhere in the world. Because they saw five loaves and two fishes. And they saw... 12 basket full of bread. Because they, they couldn't deny that fact. You know, until the basket showed up of 12 basket full, full of leftovers, then, see, how, how, do you, how do you justify that? You can say that, you know, no, no, when they were splitting, splitting, they actually broke small, small, small. <laughs> and they broke further small and then they just... Some starved at the very corner, you know. So, you know, you can justify all kinds of things, you know. Oh, it's really dark and cloudy out there, you know. Who knows who all ate in that? <laughs> you know? But when, that's why Jesus purposely said, make sure you collect the leftovers. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus having a problem multiplying more bread that he needs leftover fragments? He's not collecting leftover fragments because... You know, my father said only one miracle per day. <laughs> the supply out here is very short. <laughs> For tomorrow you have to manage with leftovers. No! A God is an exceeding, abundantly rich, ex extravagant God. In fact, these guys, they forgot to take the baskets. You know that? What they go to the boat and they forget the baskets. Point made. And they're all worried because now they're thinking, Jesus told, take the baskets. 
See, they're so quick to condemn themselves, right? See, we forgot the baskets. He's mad because we are forgetting about it. Now he's talking about leaven and bread. And all they're thinking is baskets, baskets. We forgot the baskets. <laughs> and Jesus is talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he's getting into the real theological arguments. And they are thinking, I forgot the baskets. I <laughs> See how, how funny that the situation is. And Jesus is, and after Jesus kind of realizes what's going on here. He's thinking all these great things and they are thinking baskets. Hold it! Kadyal! How many baskets? Hold it! When I had five fishes and two bread, how many were left over? Twelve. When I had four loaves and something like that, how many were left over? He's saying with less, I multiplied and had more left over. That means now you have only one loaf left? Guess what? How many baskets will be left over? How many? Much more than twelve, correct? Because I, if I, he's telling, if I can start with lesser, it's actually good for y'all guys. <laughs> you know, see how weird God thinks. If I can start with lesser, it's better. I can do better with lesser. The world says, the world says opposite. opposite. What does the world say? God blesses those who help themselves. First you help, then God will add a little bit. Chana <laughs> down on the top. <laughs> God is. Our God is so fun. I mean, how we think of this God. This God is a rich God. He's like to show off how good he is. You know? We are like constantly trying to pay his bill. I want to pay my bill, pay bill, pay bill. He's like, relax, just sit and sit down. First of all, you cannot walk. Remember, your legs are broken. <laughs> just let me pay the bill. You know, that's how God is. I want to pay the bill. I want to do it. You forgot things? No problem. I have a lot of money. That's how God is thinking. That's just what Jesus said. Can't you so he said, this is a sign for them. Go and read it. He said, that was a sign. What was a sign? That 12 basket fulls are left over. That's a sign. Sign what? Then they said, truly, this is the prophet. You know, the, when the Bible says the prophet, he's talking about, there's a prophecy by Moses saying, God will raise up a prophet like me. See, nobody has ever come to Israel like Moses. You know, a lot of prophets came, but nobody... I mean, he was like the Superman prophet. I mean, he was like, he's like exactly like the Hollywood kind of guy, you know? You know, they, the, you know the villains, the heroes in the Hollywood and the movies, you know? They don't destroy the, uh, the villain in the first scene. No. no, they let the wickedness grow, 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 grow. First kill the woman, murder the children, wait, wait, wait. Because they want to wait till three hours is over, right? And on the third hour is when the villain, the hero shows up and destroys him with a great big blast, right? That's how Moses was. Pharaoh, let's, first, first plague, second plague, fourth plague, you know? That's how God is powerful. I mean, he can destroy. So they were looking for a prophet just like Moses. Nobody happened until Jesus showed up. He said, that, this... Even Moses couldn't do it. I mean, basket full of bread? No way. Nobody can. So then Jesus says, then they said, then they ask a very interesting question. What must we do to do the works of God? You know what they're really asking? Ah, very interesting. Very. And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you must believe in whom he sent. That was total ego destroying statement. Because what they are asking was, what must we do to do the kind of work that you are doing? Hmm. What, are, what are you doing? How is this kind of miracles happening with you? What, what kind of, tell, tell us the secret, right? 
So what are they telling? That we can do it. We can do it. All we need is the secret recipe. That's pride, isn't it? That's pride. I want to work. What was me do to the works that you do? Like the works of God. That is, they want to do these multiplication of bread. But they may say, what must we do? Ah, you know, Jesus said, this is the work of God. The, will of, the work of God. And he calls it the work of God. He calls believing a work. How cool is that? I can do that work all day. <laughs> you know? But interestingly, how tough it is that. Right? Yeah. Right? In our flesh, how difficult it is to do the work of believing. We are so quick to do the work of working. But you, God wants you to do the work of believing. Very powerful. Okay, so we are still getting tired. There's so many rabbit trails that we are taking. Care. But he said the legs are broken and that they may be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, that means he had finished the work, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced. So let me ask you a question. Was both the thieves' uh, legs broken? So, why was the legs of a righteous thief broken? Because the thief has accepted Jesus. Why was his legs broken? I thought the, I know the, 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 the one who had not believed in Jesus, his legs was broken. I can kind of understand. But why was the righteous guy's legs broken? Because it doesn't matter whether you're righteous or unrighteous, the work is finished. It, God doesn't demand the righteous to work more or the unrighteous to work more to qualify for the finished work of Jesus Christ. Both cannot work. Whether you work or not, the work is finished. Make sense? So it has nothing to do with their righteousness. It is about the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he, the Bible says in Isaiah, he who restrains his feet from walking on my Sabbath day, him will I make him ride the high hills of the earth. <laughs> he says, if you do not walk on my Sabbath day, I will make you ride. So I should not walk, but I will ride. I like the deal. I'll take it. If you don't walk on my Sabbath, means what? If you don't add to my work, that's how the Bible closes. You know the Bible closes by saying don't work. He said anybody who adds to the words of these prophecy, means words what Jesus has told, I will add to him the place. Means he says don't work. Make sure he who comes to me, let him drink freely. Remember we studied last time the lifetime lesson. Satan wants to remove the surely from death and freely from salvation. He wants to remove the surely from death and freely from salvation. And he says, okay, so let's keep going. So when he came, he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately water and blood came out. Very interesting. Let me ask you, this is fun. This is going to be fun. Did Jesus pay all the price? Why was his body pierced? <laughs> I 
Did Jesus finish the work of paying the price? Yes? Why was his body pierced? It was prophesied. Okay. <laughs> Everything was prophesied, but what was the reason? What was it accomplishing? when he said it is finished. Your healing, your prosperity, your spiritual, your victory, everything was done. It's finished. But why was his side pierced? So technically, he could not be pierced, correct? But his, his side was pierced. So obviously it was not for punishment. Yes or no? Correct? If it has to be punishment, it had to be before death. Make sense? See how accurate the events are. So the piercing happens after the body is finished paying the price. So let me ask you a question. Is this body, now think about it when you answer, is this body with sin or without sin? How many of you think it is without sin? How many of you think it, it has sin? <laughs> there is a group out here. <laughs> Who, who knows, who doesn't know whether there is sin or not sin? <laughs> the body took this. At that point, the body took the sin of the world. I don't know, no, no. I'm not asking that. Now he's trying to play the words. At that point, when the body was pierced, was there sin in that body? No. Okay, let's go here. Sin in the body? Sin in the body? Sin in the body? Sin? 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 Sin in that body? I would say yes. Ah, okay. Sin in the body? No. Sin in the body? Sin in that body? Kind of. Little, little sin. <laughs> okay, how can you have little sin? You sinned one has sinned completely, right? Yes, sin or no sin? Not sure. Not sure is fine. Not sure is better. Sin in the body? No. Huh? No sin. No sin in the body. You know, there is no sin in the body because the sin was already finished. The payment has already happened. Yes. So you say, but the body has sin. No, the body does not have sin. You know why the body does not have sin? The Bible says he would not allow his holy one to suffer corruption. Jesus' body never suffered corruption because a body of sin will suffer corruption. Correct? If there is sin in the body, it will corrupt because there will be death working in the body. Correct? But Jesus' body, the moment he finished saying it's finished, guess what happened? The body is over. There is no sin in that body. Now, this is very important. I, know, I don't know whether you have gone into this level of detail about understanding of Jesus is what happened to Jesus. Right? So there is no sin because if there is no sin, what's, what is not there then? If there is no sin, what is not there? Or? No, no payment. <laughs> we have already moved from payment, George. <laughs> but if there is no sin, what is not there? Death. When there is no sin, there is no death. Therefore, there is no corruption. Because corruption is death. Correct? Because the strength of death, the sting of death is what? Sin. Because death kills by sin. And the strength of sin is what? The law. 
sin is imputed when God, when the devil exposes you to the law. Then you feel, oh, I am sinful. Ah, then he is very glad. Because now you admit that you are a sinner, guess what happens? Death follows immediately. Corruption follows. Health problems follows. Poverty follows. Because now what? You admitting that you are a sinner. Are you getting ready for a major revelation? Jesus' body was without sin at that point of time. Because it was, it was finished. Finished means payment paid. Correct? Now, everything that happens to the body has to be what? What should happen to the body after this point? It should be it should be life and glorification. Correct? See what happened. Let's see whether that started happening. So they came to break the bones. Now they couldn't break the bones. Why? Because he's already dead. Dead. But technically why? He, he had finished the work. But now death cannot come on him. No, but see, just because you have something, a sword, you cannot kill him. Because death is nothing to do with the weapons of instruments that are around you. Because many times when Jesus ministry, they wanted to kill him and stone him and destroy him. But what, 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 what did Jesus do? He just passed. But, but did he have any weapons to protect himself? No. Did he call down angels? No. But he just walked him because death cannot hold him because he was sinless. So when you are without sin, nothing can touch you. Say nothing. See, what touches you? Death, corruption, everything is all death. It's like, you know, fear is death. What are you afraid of? You're afraid of dying. You know, you're not afraid of everything. The end of everything is death. Why oh, I'm afraid that I will lose my job. Why? Because then I cannot eat. Why? So then I will die. Correct. You're afraid of dying. Correct. I'm afraid of getting on the plane. Why? Because I don't like the feeling. Why? Because I think it will crash. Why? Because I'll die. <laughs> you, know? you, you put everything. I'm afraid of my husband. Why? <laughs> you have to explain. I don't have to explain. I don't know. Ultimately, you're afraid of dying. Correct? <laughs> he who laughs most. <laughs> okay, nobody laughs. Okay, nobody laughs. Pretend, look here, look straight. <laughs> He was afraid of his wife. <laughs> you know, there are some wives, right? Okay. So, the, so there's no fear. See, everything is dead. The, if you're, if there's no sin, so Jesus was not afraid. He was not afraid because there was no sin in him. So the, people cannot kill him. You can think about the power of being without sin. Think about it. It's a law. Sin attracts death. But the opposite of that is true. Righteousness attracts favor, protection, safety, power, glory, riches. Because you are created for honor. Amen. But you lost it moment he said. And they didn't sin, big deal. They just, they had a fruit accident. <laughs> All they had was a minor fruit accident. Instead of this fruit, they ate that fruit. But sin is sin. Don't care whether it was this fruit, that fruit. Cannot eat it. They got a consciousness. The moment they got consciousness, they became conscious of breaking the law. And that conscious remained with man until man became born again. When, when you are born again, God does not give you a conscience. Ah, your conscience is a heart. It's called a heart. It's a pure, it's a clean heart. It's a perfect heart. 
the heart that never condemns you. So if your heart is condemning you, that is not your new man heart. That's a lie heart. That's a lying heart. That's not from God. You who was born of God does not condemn because, because God has sent in you the spirit of his son which cries out Abba Father. Make sense? So that spirit that cries out Abba Father is from God who sent his son because that's the same spirit that is in his son Jesus Christ. It's called the spirit of his son. Say spirit of his son. And God couldn't send the spirit of his son until we were sinless. Cannot send. Spirit of son cannot come into a sinless. Even though Holy Spirit cannot come. Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. The Spirit can only come to a place which is holy. See, so is the Holy Spirit in you? Yes. Therefore you are? Sinless. Sinless and holy. Holy means separated. You cannot be. You cannot. You, so if a Holy Spirit dwells in a sinful vessel, what does that make the Holy Spirit? A defiled spirit. That's why unclean spirits hang on on unclean vessels. But the Holy Spirit is not unclean. He comes on a clean vessel. Why do you think he waited so long? Why did you think the Holy Spirit did not come when Jesus was with the disciples three and a half years? They had the best teaching, the best morality, the best instruction, the best education. But the Holy Spirit said, not good. Cannot, cannot come. Cannot come. Cannot violate. I cannot because... No, no, Jesus said, please come. I mean, I've cleaned Peter up today. <laughs> no, cannot come. <laughs> so, so Peter once said to Jesus, you are the son of the living God. So Jesus would have said, Holy Spirit, now is the time. Come. <laughs> Two minutes later. <laughs> you, know, you cannot go to the cross. Jesus, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Is he telling Satan, get behind me? But you know, but the point is he got defined, correct? Cannot. Holy Spirit said, I told you, cannot come. So unless he is born again, completely born again, new spirit, not born of Adam, but born of a new man called Jesus. A new man, a second Adam. But his spirit is perfect. When he's born of this new man called Jesus, he has a new spirit. I can recite with him. Okay? So you got that picture? The power of a sinless position. Think about it. That's your inheritance in Christ Jesus. Okay? Are you ready? Let's go further a little bit. We'll close. I don't think we can complete the whole session today. But we'll break it up into two parts. But we'll, uh, we'll, I'll get you the biryani part of it. The salad and all later on we can do. But at least hit the meat. Okay? Then he said, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. Let me ask you the question again. If Jesus, so at this time his body was with sin or without sin? Without sin. So why did his body was pierced? And what happened? What, when does water and blood come out? When your blood's almost gone. Okay, I understand that. But think about it. Water and blood. Water and blood coming out. No, 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 you're getting theological. This is natural. Natural. In birth. Yeah. You see, when, when a woman gives birth, what comes out? Water and blood. So when water and blood came out of a man, it is definitely something more prophetic than something just blood coagulating. Means, what's happening? 
Somebody is getting born. Water and blood. Water and blood. Any woman will tell you when they see water and blood, your water is broken. And blood comes out. What's happening? What's getting ready to happen? Someone is getting ready to be born. Who is the someone? The church of Jesus Christ is getting ready to be born. And born out of a sinful body or a sinless body? Hallelujah! So the church is sinless. Think about it. The church is sinless because it's not born out of Eve. Think Think about this revelation. See, every man that is born of a woman was born out of blood and water. Correct? But the blood was sinful. So he already started off with negative 2000. He cannot, I mean, forget about doing some good works in your life. The Bible says, Esau I have hated and Jacob I have loved even before they were in their, when they were in their womb. Before they had done right or wrong. Why? He said, don't even bother starting on the race. You know, <laughs> you already failed. You know, that's how it is. That's the, that, when you are born of Adam, you're already failed the game. There's no point. Why waste? Why even start? I see all these people around, running around. I want to do good. I want to help the poor. I want to do. Don't bother. If you don't have Christ, don't even bother. It's over. The game is over. You're like already gone. I mean, there is. You're already sinful. You cannot, you cannot redeem yourself. So when he saw this blood and water coming out, but when did it happen? Before he said it was finished? Or after he said it was finished? After. Why? He didn't want birth of a sinful body. He wanted of a new man, Adam. Who is this new man, Adam? Jesus Christ. Out of him now flowed out. So he said, but I don't see the church happening. But the church was born. See, he was born of God. Jesus said to Nicodemus, is like the wind that blows. You cannot see it coming. You cannot see it going. But you can see it by the effects of it. That So is he who is born of the spirit. Do you think when the water and blood flowed out, the church was not born that time? Just because you couldn't see it? You couldn't see it, but the church was born that time. Church was born. The powerful church of God, the male child, was born. So powerful. But without sin. Think about it. Without sin. Out of a sinless body. Correct? Yes or no? Yes. Amen? Blood and water came out. So at this point of time, was the body asleep or awake? The body of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is alive. Remember at this point of time? Where is Jesus right now? Right hand of the Father. And now he's going down to Hades and did all that already. Now he's at the right hand of the Father. Right? He's already alive. Right? Is he alive? So remember, you know, it's so interesting that he said, you see this. If you had been to anybody's funeral, he said, one of my, somebody's son died. And the moment say, you know, this guy, this guy will say, you know, I don't want to use a name because you will start having connotations, but let's say, Jodo died, Jodo died, Jodo, Jodo is a good guy, Jodo is a Jodo died. And then when you go visit the family, you say, 
and they have the coffin there. Do you say, where is Jodo? Or do you say, where is the body? You stop using the proper noun too, right? You've seen that, you notice that. You go to anything, they stop using the proper noun. And they do it immediately, but without, they never say, where is Robert? They never say that. It's almost like an insult to say, where is Robert, right? They'll say, where's the body? But with Jesus, very interesting, when they laid him in the tomb, they said they laid Jesus in the tomb. They didn't say they laid the body in the tomb. Why? Because Jesus is alive. The church is alive. Correct? The church is alive. Correct? So they, they are in the body. Look at, keep looking. And immediately water and blood came out. And he who has seen this testimony and his testimony is true. He said, this is so powerful. He says, people will not believe it. So John says, I have seen this. This church was, this body, this actually happened. He said, nobody will believe it. This testimony is true. Because he said, I saw this. And he, and he knows that he's telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things are done that the scripture may be fulfilled, not one. But remember when the body was, so Jesus was asleep. But the church was born, correct? Who was asleep once before when somebody was born? Adam was asleep. And from the side, Eve was born. Correct? But was Eve born out of a sinless body? Yes! The first Adam's wife was born out of a sinless body, just like the second Adam. Isn't that powerful? Same picture. From the side, while he's asleep, the church was born. Amen? Now think about this. And I want you to stay with this before you uh, get this. And they took him. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, being secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus. And Pilate gave them permission. So they came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus who was at first came to Jesus by night and also came bringing a mixture of myrrh, aloes and a hundred pounds. And he took the body of Jesus and bound it with the strips of linen, with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. So let me ask you a question. The body of Jesus Christ is what? The church. Correct? So now what's happening to this body is what should be happening to the church. Yes or no? Correct? Because the Bible says the body of Jesus Christ is the church. So what's happening at this point of time is what should be happening to the church. So let's keep reading. So what does the body get received? The body receives a mixture of myrrh and aloes. That means to prevent corruption. Correct? Now the body is not going to get corrupted. But is it a new body or is it an old body? It's a new body. No. It is the old body. The body has not changed. Think about it. The body has not changed. Jesus' spirit has resurrected, but Jesus' body is not resurrected yet. Yes or no? Yes. So our spirits are resurrected, but do we have the old Adam's body yet? Yes. yes. Think about it. We have the Adam's body yet, but our spirits are resurrected, just like what's happening to Jesus. Jesus is in heaven, his spirit is there, but his body is on the earth. His body is the body that has come of Adam, correct? The same body, but without sin. But without sin. 
but he does not have the new body. But still, is the body being glorified? Is the body subject to corruption at this point of time? No. 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 Because he anointed them with myrrh and aloes. That means there is no more corruption. It's going to be preserved. Correct? But it is not a new body. So the authority of the church is to have the same body but refuse corruption in this body. Are you ready for that revelation? Are you ready? You have a new spirit. But you have an old body. But that body is not subject to corruption. Because this body is not a sin body. The Satan has fooled you for a long time. That this body is sinful. We have to suffer all this. No. The punishment has been paid. I'm not taking this anymore. Jesus' body was suffered and died. Correct? But now glorification starts. He does not have a new body yet. But that does not mean the body has to suffer anything more. That is the reason why God said he will not allow his holy one see corruption. What does holy one mean? What is the meaning of holy? Separated one. Is the church separated? Why, what are the church called? Saints. Means sanctified ones. Means separated one. That means we are separated. Correct? And we even not allow the separated one see. See? Decay. Okay. You ask me about Anil church seeing decay. Hold it. Church does not have to see decay because he told John. He told Peter. If I want John to stay alive till I come. What is that to you? So the church has the authority in this physical body to stay alive. If you have the revelation of what body you have right now. You don't have your body, ladies and gentlemen. You have the body of Jesus Christ. Because the church is the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes, you have the old body. But that body is not subject to decay because there is not what in it? No. There is no sin in it. You know, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only that he will deliver his, his spirit, soul, but also your body. He preserves your body is also the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know that he preserves your body is also the gospel of Jesus Christ? Not just he uh, gives you a new spirit, but preserves your body. You know, preserve is also a miracle. A body to stay alive for three days in the grave is a miracle. How do you think that body stayed alive? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also kept that body alive and life was flowing in this body. Life was flowing in this body. That's a miracle. After the spirit has gone, but the life is still there, but this Holy Spirit is there in this body because the Holy Spirit is also in this church and we are the temple of God. Our bodies, correct? Means temple of what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us Therefore, there is no corruption in us. We cannot, we do not have to allow corruption in our body because we don't have a sin body. No, 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 no. No, you don't have a sin body. 
There is no sin in you. Okay, let me ask you. Now, we are getting into deep stuff. Deep stuff. If you are ready, you should understand this. What was resurrected? What part of Jesus was not resurrected? Was resurrected after three days. Huh? No? They didn't find the body after three days. But what part of Spirit. Huh? Spirit. Spirit. Come on, spirit was already raised up to oh, keep. Yeah, yeah. What was not resurrected? Oh, what, what has not been resurrected? So, what is still here left on the earth? The body is not on the earth, the body is not <laughs> resurrected. Body is with Jesus Christ. He, he appeared with the body with the flesh and bones, yeah. and then he, he his physical body went up. Remember? Hey, guys, his physical body went up. Yes, yes or no? Yes. Why is it important that his physical body went up? Because he's rapture. Correct! See, remember, what happens to Jesus happens to us. Now, I want you to repeat this. What happens to Jesus has happening to me. Has happened to me. And will happen to me. Okay? So if his body went out physically, guess what's happening to your body? Which body went up physically? The old body or the new body? The old, the old. Ah, good, good, good. New body or old body? Old. Okay. How can the old body go up? Remember Jesus came out of... And then we get the new body. No, 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 no. Jesus was... Okay, let me ask, reframe the question. Jesus' body that went up into heaven, was it the old body or the new body? It's a new body because it resurrected, remember? He raised Jesus up on the third day and that body went through walls, remember? He said, he said flesh and bones, it's a new body. They could not even recognize this body. They, uh, when Jesus showed up in the garden, uh, uh, garden, they did not, he appeared in another form, the Bible says. It's not the same body, he got a new body. Why is it important? Because we are going to get a new body. Amen? Okay. So his old body did not decay, but his new body he received after the third day, and his new body went up. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. So you got that? So, when we go up, will we go up in a new body or the old body? New body. New body. Therefore, he transforms us first. Because what happened to Jesus has happened to us. So, what happened on the third day? Jesus glorified, transformed completely. And then, resurrected. Make sense? Same thing is going to, see, what happened to Jesus? It's very important to understand. Because, guys, Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, what happened to Jesus' body is the church. You say, no, that's a man. No, it's not a man. It is God. You think God is one man? He is the whole universe. Everything consists in him. He's a super, super huge pig. He just happened to show up as a six foot, I don't know whether it's six foot, seven, five foot, whatever. But this is God. God showed up. He's God. We are all in Him. You know, you're not a puny five foot five hanging around here. No, He's God, man. 
We are all in him. So what happened to him is happening to us. Correct? So it's a new body. Agreed? Yes. Okay, keep looking. So what is left out? What is okay. Left oh, yeah. What so what was not resurrected? His old body. His old body is not used. No. Whole body was transformed. Right? Yeah. Okay. His whole body was not resurrected. They would have found the no, body in the tomb, no, right? Old body. Yeah, they would have found the body in the tomb. Church is not resurrected. No, the church is going to be resurrected, but the body part of church is still not resurrected. We know that. We have not got a new body. So, what has not got, what is left behind on the earth of Jesus? No, okay, let me, let me solve the problem. Remember what happened before when they pierced his side, what came out? What is remaining on the earth? No, blood and water. The blood and water of Jesus Christ is still on the earth. You know that is powerful. Do you just think about it. The blood and water of Jesus Christ is still on the earth. Why did God leave the blood and the water of the earth and did not take that also to heaven? Okay, you want to know the reason? Yes. The witness. He wants a witness on the earth. Two witnesses. He wants two witnesses at least in heaven declaring that Jesus is born of a man. That God came down to be a man. See, that's the only difference that will get you saved. God is a good teacher. Jesus is a good teacher. No. Jesus is God who came. That also doesn't get you saved. But Jesus was a man who was a God. He was God who became a man. And that is salvation. He who believes that. He said that's how you know it's a spirit of antichrist. There's a whole religion right now on the earth. Which says. Their central creed is. God does not have a son. And you know what that religion is. See that is the spirit of antichrist. In the last days. That spirit will become very powerful and loud. But God wanted three witnesses in heaven and three witnesses on the earth. Do you want to know where it is? Let's go to first John. Quick, 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 quick. I mean, we are so excited. I mean, we are studying so much good stuff. Uh, first John. First John chapter 5. Let's read. Let's read chapter, uh, chapter 5 verse 4. This is one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible about our position of our body. If you understand this, ah, the things that you can accomplish on the earth, when you know the power of a sin, sinless life. Look at this. Look at what it says in verse 4. For whoever, whoever is born of God, overcomes the world. Now he's talking about authority right now. And this is the victory that overcomes. Our faith. That means all you need to believe is what I just said. The faith. What faith? That Jesus is born of a woman. And he was God who came down and died for us. That's faith. That's simple. That's all. There's nothing more. He says you can overcome. He, he who is it who overcomes the world? So that you don't have some preachers going around and tell you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to be an overcomer. Only overcomers are going up in the rapture. Yes. Who is the overcomer? Thank God for John who clarifies this. If we had not clarified this, we would have been beating each other up. You are not an overcomer. 
your overcomer minus two, you know, no. Who is an overcomer? Very simple. Look at who is who is an overcomer? Who is he? That's cool. I'll take that. You're an over, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yes. You're an overcomer. You overcome the world and you're born of God. Is that that easy? Yep. Is that easy? Because a, you are not walking, remember? Your legs are broken. You cannot even walk. What can you overcome? How can crippled people overcome? Crippled people don't overcome. They just rest. Right? We are? We sit by the table. We eat at the table. Remember somebody who was crippled who sat at the table of a famous king? Yes. It's a picture of the church. Legs are broken, but sitting at the feet of the king and eating daily. And there's another guy, David appoints, and says, you and your families will work his fields and produce for him. <laughs> Did you know that? Is that the church that you live in? Or are you outside? Hello! <laughs> Healthy legs, come here! <laughs> come inside, sit at the table. Blessed to have lame feet and broken legs. See how the picture of the parable of Methishubit. whatever. He was a son of a king. But got the inheritance after the real son was on the throne and received everything gladly because the real son had a covenant with his father. <laughs> Sounds very familiar. Somebody's story, right? <laughs> Somebody loves somebody and I get the benefit. I'll take the deal anytime. Right? That's beautiful. Why did we go there? Okay. Overcome. He who overcomes. He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. All Meb... Me, me, what is that guy's name? Mephi-Bosheth. Good. Thank you, Sushil. Mephi-Bosheth had to do was what? He, he had nothing to do with sit. His legs are broken. So that's his natural sit. But what did he have to do? Believe. Believe what? That the king... That's... That David... David is the rightful king through the throne. Correct? If he would not have believed that, he would have been destroyed. Correct? But he believed and recognized that David is the rightful king to the throne. Aren't we supposed to do the same thing? That Jesus is the son of God. So, and you receive all the benefits. It has happened before. It's happening now. And let not anybody cheat you out of it. You should read the book of Colossians. Colossians, the whole book, I was reading this weekend, I was like amazed. He said, how many times? He said, don't let anybody cheat you off with empty philosophy, vain things, days, things that you're supposed to do. Stup don't do stupid stuff. Just hold on to the faith. Read Colossians, man. I mean, the Indians, we need to read Colossians. Because we have so many rituals. You know, we have cultures. We have do this, do that. He says, let not anybody cheat you with vain, stupid deceit and philosophies for their appearance of Good, but it is useless to tame the flesh. Wow, I wish I could tell to my country of traditions and stuff. And we believers have traditions and denominations have traditions. It's all, all stupid traditions and deceit, you see. And the word that Paul uses to Colossians is, let no one cheat you. Why? Because you'll lose your reward. 
if you be, if you don't believe that you are without sin guess what's going to happen you will receive sicknesses in this life you will be open to disease you will be open to poverty why because you believe that your body is sinful but if you believe and hold fast to the confession that my body is jesus body Jesus body does not suffer decay my body does not suffer decay i am holding fast to the confession and i don't care what happening to me guess what you think the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead is now not going to activate in you and bear witness in your spirit it will and let's keep looking keep ready and this is he who came by water and blood jesus christ not just by water but by water and blood that means he came as a human being not just by water just not not just by word he is not just word became flesh but he didn't come just like word water is word he just didn't come as word but he also came by physically through a blood of a man and a woman sorry blood of actually blood of <laughs> blood of his father but physically on the earth blood right blood he says this and the spirit who bears witness because the spirit the, the spirit is also saying the same thing bears witness means saying the same thing that jesus is born of a woman okay keep reading for there are three witnesses in heaven witnesses about what about jesus that jesus is born of a woman correct there are three witnesses in heaven who are the witnesses the father the word and the holy spirit the father the word and the holy spirit the father the son and the holy spirit all the three witness that jesus was born of god in in the world as a human being correct that is powerful witness that's faith he says that's a witness that there are three witnesses in heaven and there are three witnesses on the earth and there are three bear witness on the earth what what are these spirit. the spirit so the holy spirit is also on the earth yes. Yes. yes see how accurate it is the spirit is on the earth also correct then what the water and the blood who is this water and the blood the blood of jesus christ and the water that flowed up from jesus of the church what is the water the water is the confession of the word of the witness of the church saying that jesus is the son of god the word remember in heaven there is father word spirit correct bring it down equivalent on the earth there is spirit the water the water and the blood water the word the word the water what is the water water is the word the word the church confessing the confess the witness of the church and the words that he has left with the church on the earth correct his blood is on the earth it's not a human blood that is crying out on the earth what what blood you know the blood of human beings cries out what vengeance the blood of cain kind uh, blood of abel cries out vengeance the blood of a human being cries out vengeance but the blood of jesus christ cries out forgiveness and that you are the son of god the church is forgiven and the church overcomes in revelation chapter 12 which we saw about the sign he says and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony so you can overcome by 
the blood so so in that in that overcoming part what is already done they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony what has already been done the blood has been done correct is there anything more that the church can do with the blood they overcame him by the blood of the lamb what can the church do if you go around saying blood, 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 it's not going to do anything. Seriously, it's not good. just because you say blood, blood, blood. No, you are already cleansed. What does the blood do? The blood cleansed you and made you what? Sinless, righteous. He's cleaned up. It's work done. So whether you cry out or not, are you sinless? Yes. No, think about it. Is the cloth clean? Yes. Does the cloth have to constantly cry out, I am clean, I am clean, I am clean. No. It's done. Correct? The, the detergent has made me clean. The detergent, if I stop saying the detergent has made me clean, I will become dirty. What kind of tension is that? <laughs> Think about that. You know, that's a lot of work. for the, that's, Is that working or resting? Working. That's working. So what is resting? I went into the washing machine. I was... Clorox hit me at full speed. I was dried, toweled, and heated, and blasted, and out I came. And I'm now totally baked and completely white. You can do nothing to me. Correct? That's part. You're done. You came out. You're born again out of the washing machine. You came out completely clean. Correct? It's done. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That means they overcame him by the fact that who they are in Christ Jesus. Correct? Done? Correct? And, but what is still pending? Hallelujah. Do you see where the missing puzzle is? What word of the testimony? What word? We have been redeemed. We have been redeemed. That word, when the enemy comes at you or anything, you hold fast to that confession that I have redeemed. I'm done. The work is done. I've overcome it. By the word of their testimony. So speak it out. Don't say. So now that's where James chapter. James chapter 3. Says it. Write it down. I'm not going to teach James chapter 3. James chapter 3. The whole chapter is. Remember we are studying about the body. Correct? James chapter 3 says. The tongue is set as a member. In the midst of the body. Like a radar of the ship. So if you want to turn the body, you have to turn the tongue. So he, he goes through this whole one chapter telling how to use your tongue to receive your victory. So that lines up what the church has to do with the tongue. So the, 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 the blood has taken the part. But you have to hold fast to the confession. Otherwise you will be cheated of your victory. Make sense? But does that mean you are with sin right now? No. Hold it. Is that mean just because you did not confess victory, does that mean you are with sin? No. Suppose you don't confess victory at all after you are born again. Are you going to go to be with Jesus? Yes. yes. Because the blood has done its work. And you confess and you believed that Jesus is the son of God. Correct? So, but can you suffer everything that the world suffers? Yes, because you don't overcome with the word of your testimony. Make sense? 
So you would go to heaven, but you go as miserable lifestyle on the earth. Rotting, worms all over in your body, soothing and pus everywhere. But you're going to heaven. Stinky, but going to heaven. You know, you know, but you're going to heaven. But God sees you perfect. But you, in your own mind, are messed up. So you don't have the victory. Make sense? So you see, the, you overcome with the blood of the Lamb. So I, the other day, God was telling me, Anil, what do you have to do? Blood, I've done the job. All you have to do is hold fast to my confession. And just hold fast to it. Because I've already made you clean. You are sinless. Just hold fast to the confession. How many times every episode, Jude, 1 Peter, 1 John, Ephesians, Philippians, every chapter ends with hold fast to your confession. Don't let the Judaizers come and tell you that you are not righteous. Every chapter. Now read the episodes with this focus of there are certain men that are creeped in your midst who are not of us, who are trying to tell you that you are not born again. That's pretty much what every episode is trying to address. Which is what the church is trying to do for a lot of believers. No, 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 no. You need to live holy lives and righteous lives. Why don't you start the other side? Say that you are sinless. You are perfect. And Christ has already done everything for you. And be encouraged. And let God do his work, right? Let's slyly creep in and rob you of your liberty in Christ Jesus. Don't do that. Okay? Now, look at what Jesus... So remember, we are addressing the most controversial past aspect about a human being. The aspect of the body. Right? The spirit, we had no problems with. Soul, we kind of have problems with it, but we will handle it later. Right? But our body, we had definitely problems with it. Correct? So we have been receiving stuff in our body. Correct? But the Bible says, we have been preserved in our body. Because what happened to Jesus is good is our right in Christ Jesus. Correct? So, so look at what happened. Let's go back to John chapter 19. I'm sorry it is taking so long, but it's, there's so much stuff to talk about. John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verses, okay. So Joseph Arimathea, they come and bring spices, about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus Christ and bound it in strips of linen. So if the body of Jesus Christ is the church, what are these strips of linen? What is linen? Representation of righteousness. How do we know that? Revelation. Revelation chapter. Revelation chapter. If you want, if you if you want the references, because you need to know these references, right? These are powerful uh, truths. Revelation chapter. Revelation chapter nineteen verses eight, and Revelation chapter nineteen verses fourteen. He says. The, the, the saints, they were clothed with bright linen. And the bright linen is the righteousness of the saints. So the body is now wrapped in linen. Why? Because it's righteousness of the saints. So the body is old or new? Old. <laughs> the body is old. But is the body sinless? Yes. yes, so I'm getting now. At least we're hitting proper ones. Okay. <laughs> Is it covered with linen means it's covered with what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Where do I know this? Revelation, Revelation chapter 19. 19. Okay. You need to have foundations clear, right? So the, the linen is the righteousness of the saints, correct? So we are now covered in this body with righteousness. Amen? Amen? Are we done with this? Okay. 
There are two garments on the body of Jesus Christ. What are the two garments? On the body of Jesus Christ. Remember he died naked. But then they wrapped him up with linen. Correct? There were two garments. One was the linen garments that covered his body. And then? And, the and there was a head cloth that covered his face. And that, after resurrection, was folded up and kept in its place. Isn't that a picture of the righteous Savior folded in his place? So he has righteous linens on and we have righteous linens on. His, his linen cloth any different from our linen cloth? No, because we are no, 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 not, not spiritually. <laughs> no, the body is, this, is the same linen cloth. You see, what we have received in our righteousness is the same righteousness that the high priest has in heaven. Same cloth, neat and clean and folded in its place. See how beautiful the picture of two righteousness is? But it's the same linen cloth. Amen? Got it? So, you, so the body is now clothed with righteousness. So the church is now clothed with righteousness. Amen? So what's happening to Jesus' body right now is the church. Correct? So what's happening to the body of Jesus Christ should be happening to the church. Correct? So is the church clothed with righteousness? Yes. And for years and years and decades and centuries, the world and church has been beating upon church saying that the church is not righteous. Amen? Always blaming the church for this and that and this. But every episode, every episode, Jesus Christ, Revelation, every letter says, you are perfect and blameless and without reproach before the Father in heaven. Amen? We have received this righteousness, perfect righteousness. <laughs> so it's not like one day, five linen comes out, then two linen comes in. You know, it's like, there is no stuff going on on the body, you know? Five linen today, four linen tomorrow. No, complete righteousness, sealed. Sealed with, you know that righteousness is so tight. It, it was, you know, it was sealed with myrrh. Myrrh is like a sticky glue. When it dries up, it cannot, uh, it cannot come out. It's stuck. So that righteousness, they, they use this process for mummification of, it started from when Joseph was in Egypt. They mummified Joseph's body, remember? And they mummified. So they studied mummification in Egypt. So they started to glue stuff. So this is like a process of, so God is saying, the righteousness of the church cannot be removed. It is stuck to it. Stuck to it. Cannot be removed. Okay, keep reading. Now, as was the custom of the Jews to bury now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. Are we back in the garden? Yes. The body is back in the garden. Isn't that a good sign? Yes. The body is back in the garden. We are back in the garden of Eden. Back in place of authority. We are back in the garden. Correct? Look at this place. And there was a garden. And in a garden, a new tomb in which no one has been laid. In fact, in the other gospel... Luke chapter 23 and Matthew chapter 27, one of the gospels says, in which no man has laid before. Why? Where is the church right now? It's in a garden. It's in a tomb in which no one has been there before. We are in a place, the church is in a place where no one 
has gone there before. It's a new place. It's a place, no one has gone to this place before. We, we know, is that true? Yes. No prophet has gone there before. It is not Abraham's bosom. It is not where Elijah went. It is no, no one has gone there before. What is this place called? We studied this last whole year. Mount Zion. It's a place where no one has gone before. No man has laid before. Who, lay, who went there first? Jesus Christ. He said, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. Is he talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ? Or is he talking about his resurrection? His resurrection, not a second coming. A lot of people take that verse and push it to a mansion in heaven. No, he's not talking about mansion in heaven. You know, you're going to be impressed by mansions in heaven. I'm not going to be impressed by mansions in heaven. The dwelling place, he's saying, I have gone to prepare a place. And he says, you know the place where I'm going. You know, people confuse that verse. because, And Jesus himself, two verses later, said, you know the place. See, if it was mansions in heaven, nobody knows mansions in heaven. But Jesus said, you know the place where I'm going. <coughs> then, then one disciple says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. He said, I'm going to my father. Correct? That father's place. And if I go, I'll come and take you to be with me. That's what he did. He came, resurrected and immediately went back to the disciples and took him to this garden place. And where the church is right now. He said, but Anil, I don't see anything. But you are in this place. You are seated in this place where Jesus has prepared for us. Why is it important? I'll hold on, hold on. The most powerful revelation is coming now. This place who can access? Who can access this place of the church? Let's look at it, right? So if this is the church, and we are right now in a place where it's not, no one has gone there before, correct? Let's read further. Keep reading further. Come on, come on, come on, come on. So they, there they laid Jesus. So look at the word Jesus. Did he say body? Why? But, but is Jesus in that body? No. He's risen. He's risen. His spirit is not there. But his body is there. But why is still Jesus there? Because it's a picture of Jesus in the church. In the body of Jesus Christ, God, Jesus said, if, if, if anyone believes in me, I will come and make our abode with him. See, in the, where? Not in the spirit. The body is the temple of the living God. Right? The Can you imagine we've been messing, we've been beating down on our body and the body is the place where God and Jesus dwells? And that's why the word Jesus, you see how powerful that word is? It's not the body. It's not a body without Jesus. It is Jesus. Because when the whatever happens to the body right now, God says, that's happening to Jesus. If, if, you're, if you're hurt, Jesus is hurt. So it's a picture of the Jesus. Okay, keep reading. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 23. Fast. And we'll close in exactly 10 minutes. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Mark Luke chapter 23. 
okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 27. I'll, uh, Matthew chapter, the, all the three Gospels talk about that. We don't have co- time to cover everything, but let's go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, okay. Let's read from verse 37 onwards. Now, when the evening had come, there came a rich man from Armatia named Joseph, who himself also became a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus Christ, and the Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken in the body, he wrapped it in clean, clean linen cloth. Perfect, right? We got that. Righteousness of the church. And he laid it in a new tomb. It's a new tomb. There has never been this tomb before. Correct? New place. Which he had hewn out of the rock. Out of the rock. Who is the rock? Jesus. Jesus. Remember where God put Moses in to show him the glory? In the cleft of a rock. So he said, in this place you can see my glory. That was Jesus. The rock is Jesus. We know that because uh, Paul talks about it. And laid him, it was hewn out of that rock. That means this place is in Jesus Christ. Say in Jesus Christ. So we are in Christ Jesus. And laid it against a new tomb, hewn out of a rock, and rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Okay. On the next day, following the day of preparation, now it's a Sabbath. The next day is the Sabbath. It's the first day of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember how when he was alive, how the deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. Now listen to this verse 66. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Where is the church right now? In Jesus Christ. In a place that no one has been before. We are born hewn out of a rock. But can Satan access the church? No. We are sealed, completely secured. And a guard has been placed around the church. Therefore, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us for the first time. That is why Mount Zion said, The lion shall lie down with the lamb, and none shall make them afraid. Why? Because Satan has no authority in this place where the body is. Hallelujah! So we are in a place where there is no, no corruption now for two and a half, for three days, right? There's no corruption. But does Satan have access into this tomb? No. no. Why? Because it is sealed. The church is sealed. So the church grows and grows and grows and Satan has no access. Do you think the church would grow if Satan had access to this body? So what was happening there? Physically to the body of Jesus Christ is right now happening to the church. We are secure, sealed. How are we sealed? We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So are we sealed? Yes. Amen. And we are secure. Are we under guard? Yes. Correct? Hallelujah. So, but what's happening to the body? Okay, let's go back to John. John chapter 19. 
John chapter 19. Oh, um. Therefore, John chapter 19. So you heard this. John chapter 20. Let's read it. Now, so they laid Jesus before the Jewish preparation day for the tomb was nearby. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And they ran and came and saw and when they went in and they saw and they saw what? So what happened? So when did Jesus resurrect? Okay, See, that's a tough question. You know why that's a tough question? You know why that's a tough question? I'm so excited. No one knows when Jesus resurrected, his body resurrected. They know, but they know when he resurrected. When was it? When was it? On the third day. They know, but they don't know what hour he resurrected. No one knows the hour. When the rapture is going to happen. It's going to happen. But no one knows it. Doesn't match exactly with what's going to happen to our church. Yes. But when did this happen? On the third day. But when on the third day? No one knows. But what's happening? Let's look at this verse. Now, verse 20. Now on the first day of the week. That's the third day. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. When the, you know when the, when the Jewish day starts? Yeah? In the evening. The Bible says evening and morning was the first day. First day. That's how Genesis says the day. Evening and morning was the first day. So sometime after evening, sunset, Jesus' body resurrected. Correct? So the church will also resurrect on the third day. Correct? So what does it say? Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. So what's, what's outside? It's dark. That means the whole world is dark when the church gets raptured. And it happens early on the third day. What is the third day a representation of? How many days has happened since Jesus has resurrected? Two days has happened. Two days have finished. We are now on the third day. 2,000 years are already passed. Correct? So now we are on the third day. So early on the third day, that means somewhere around now, somewhere around now, while it is still dark in the world, while it is still dark in the world, the rapture happens. So what happens? The morning star. They see the morning star. Correct? So the Bible says, when the son of jo uh, uh, Mal Malachi, Malachi says, the son of righteousness will rise up with healing in his wings and he shall go forth. And then he says he will, uh, let's look at the last verse. He talked about this two comings of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the, the, that's how the Old Testament ends. Old Testament, Malak Malachi, Malachi, last chapter, last verse. Okay. Behold, chapter, verse, chapter 4. 
Chapter 4, verse 1. Behold, the day is coming. That means the day is about to start, right? Burning like an oven. When does the day burn? When the sun is up. Isn't it? And all who are proud, yes, all those who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day will, is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. And they will leave them neither root nor branch. But, he says to the church, but you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise. That means before the sun rises up for the world in its heat, the sun, that means which sun? S-U-N, the morning star will rise up with healing in its wings and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Amen? So the rapture happens first and then the day comes up. You got the picture? Of how while it is still dark, the rapture happens of the church and the body disappears. So that is why the Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows. But it is on the third day. And it is early on the third day. And while it is still dark, the rapture happens. See how the picture is exactly correct? And okay, so let me ask you this. So I, we got that. We got the picture of the rapture. We got the fact that we are sealed. Satan has no access to us. Nothing can have access to us. Correct? So, But the, the body was left not corrupting in the body. Correct? So what is happening outside? While the body is not corrupting. What are they doing? When Jesus died, which feast was it? Passover. Passover. But when Jesus was in lying in the tomb, what feast was going on? Yes. It's called the feast of unleavened bread. Amen? How many days did they have to celebrate the feast of unleavened bread? From the evening of Passover, the 14th day, the Passover. 15th day, they, God said for 7 days you would keep the feast of unleavened bread. What does the feast of unleavened bread mean? That means you shall have no leaven in your houses. Correct? You shall remove all the leaven from your houses. You shall only eat unleavened bread. That means bread without yeast. Very difficult to make bread without yeast. Because there is yeast in the air. <laughs> you try to put bread, it'll, you leave it for a couple of days, it will... It will rise because there is bacteria in the air. It's very hard. Sin is that prevalent. Correct? So, but he says you have to remove leaven completely. So how can you eat unleavened bread? So obviously you cannot eat bread is a picture of something. And leaven is a picture of sin. We know that from the Bible. Leaven is a picture of sin. So how can you eat unleavened bread? That means obviously you cannot feed on yourself. Because you are leavened. Correct? Correct? Correct. You cannot feed on yourself. Correct? Because outside they are all sinful. Correct? Amen? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Outside they are all sinful or not? Yes. So they are supposed to eat unleavened bread. Bread without leaven. Jesus said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. Correct? Yes. Correct? So I am the one without sin. So you are supposed to eat me. Correct? Yes. So but outside they are supposed to keep the seven days unleavened bread. I understand. Every feast is one thing will happen. Okay, Passover, Jesus' death. Unleavened bread, what does it represent? What about Jesus? Do you represent? The body. The body of Jesus Christ. You see how powerful it is. But why seven days? Because the church is going to be on the earth for a season. For a season. Before it is raptured. 
it's going to be there for a season. So while the church is there on the earth without for a season, to keep yourself from being corrupted, the only solution is to eat unleavened bread. So what is unleavened bread? Unleavened bread is always ignored and confused with Passover life. Passover is your born again experience. But unleavened bread is constantly feeding on the sinless body of Jesus Christ. Say sinless. sinless. Unleavened means sinless. That means you cannot eat leaven. So who is unleavened right now in the body of Jesus Christ? The body of Jesus Christ is unleavened. Do you know that your body is unleavened right now? You won't believe this, right? It's very hard for you to know that, right? Let's go to... Uh, uh, Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 and uh, I'm not going to go through the whole chapter but uh, you, you can study that later. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. I know you've never studied this passage before. It's like, doesn't make sense. But now in light of what we studied today, look at it. Therefore, purge out the old leaven. That means, don't continue to confess what you are before. That you may be a new love. You are a new love. That means you are not born of the old. Remember, you, the way you make bread is, they would take a little bit of the old bread and put it in the new bread. Correct? Because there is yeast, there is bacteria in the old bread. Like how do you make yogurt? You take a little bit of yogurt from the old yogurt and put it in the milk. Then the new milk becomes yogurt. So it becomes bacteria. Correct? It gets infected pretty much. That's what it, it does. So that's how leaven is. So he says, remove, get rid of the old leaven. How do you get rid of the old leaven? You become a new lump. How do you become a new lump? Because you get born again. Correct? You become a new, uh, born again. Okay, keep reading. Purge out that you, that you may be a new lump since you truly are So are you unleavened? Yes. yes. So are you telling me that I am without sin? Yes. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. Let's go quickly there. I'm trying to lay a foundation here so that you understand the implication of it because this implication is powerful. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. Uh, sorry. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5 verses 18 to 21. Bobby, can you read that? Now look at yeah. the verse, words, we know, we know, we know. Look at the knowledge, okay? Bobby, read that. John, 1 John chapter 5 verses 18. Okay. Oh, yeah. We know that whoever is born of God does not 
Hold it. We know. Just like First Corinthians says, you are unleavened. No, this is, no, get this in your body. Get this in your mind. This is how you overcome him. We know that whoever is born of God, what? Does not sin. Establish fact. You are born of God. You do not sin. So you say, but I, I do things that look like sin. <laughs> yeah, but sin is not imputed to you. Make sense? Because there is no law now. God has fulfilled the law in Christ Jesus. So he does not impute sin to you. He says, this is a new covenant. Hebrews chapter 10. The whole chapter I was going to take today, but I cannot. He says, I have taken away the old so that established me the, the new. That you are made perfect right now. Correct? Okay, keep reading. Okay. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. Keeps himself is kept. The original Greek is, is kept. Remember the body is kept under God. The body cannot now get corrupted because there is nothing entering it. There is no corruption entering the tomb because the tomb is sealed, secured and under God. Why would the Holy Spirit use three words? To absolutely affirm that the church cannot be defiled with sin. Cannot. There is no possibility. No, but the, the body can sin inside. <laughs> what can you sin in a dark place? No access, nothing. There's nothing. You're, you're preserved. There's no corruption. He's, he says he will not. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Listen to this. God said in Psalms, he will not. Allah, the Holy One, see corruption. Hold it. It's not man telling, okay? He's saying, guess, look at like the dawn. <laughs> the dawn saying, I will make sure. You know? I will make sure. Not gonna happen. Holy One will not see corruption. So we used to always read that verse and Jesus, good, good, good for Jesus. Well, good for Jesus. No, good for you! Because that body is you out there. Oh, really? That's what, that's the revelation that God is going to, that's you, brother. That's you. Inside that tomb was not anybody. It's the body of Jesus Christ. It's the church of God. He says, I will not allow the Holy One see corruption. I will not. I will not. Keep looking. And the wicked one does not touch it. Confirm. This is plain English. Okay, we, I said, Anil, so yeah, Anil, you are talking about a lot of parables and types and shadows. Isn't this plain? The wicked one does not. Why can the wicked one not touch it? Huh? It's sealed. See, the Pharisees could not come in. The Roman soldiers, you know, they were thinking that the disciples could not go in. Right? But guess what was going on there? The plan of God? No enemy can access it. Fooled him. Fooled him. Fooled him. I, they would have wished that they would have left the tomb open. Right? Now? But even in that, God used this. That the church is sealed. The enemy cannot. The wicked one cannot touch him. You know, Satan is not like this. You know, huggy, 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 huggy. No, no. Huggy, huggy with Satan. He cannot touch you. Cannot touch you. So who is this that I'm hearing? FM. 91.7 you know? <laughs> or you are listening to something but not God not God not 
He has no authority. I mean, it's your own voices that you're trying to, he's putting voices in you and you're listening. But he has no authority. He cannot access you. See, which is good for you to know right now. Can you take this verse and tell him once in a while and remind yourself? Because who knows? Who knows all these truths? What does it say? We know. Look at how, how many times he says, we know. We know. That's how he, they lived in victory in the early church. Because they know that the church, the Satan cannot touch us. Like, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. We know. We know. Again. <laughs> we know. The church doesn't know. Did you know this fact? Until today? Kind of. But do you know, firmly, we know. What does he say? What does he say? We, we know. We know that we are of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Done. Hold it. So while the body is lying in the tomb, what's happening outside? The whole Israel is under the sway of Pilate, the Pharisees, the wicked one. Correct? But is the church under Pilate's jurisdiction? No. Even he cannot get it. Can the Pilate get into this tomb? Why? Sealed. See, once it is sealed, you cannot. Sealed means cannot. Even Pilate cannot seal it. Because Pilate seals it with the authority of the Roman Empire. Sorry. Authority of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Caesar. It's a seal of the government. See, one seals it. Like study with the president's executive orders and stuff like that. You know, you cannot just not handle it. I mean, they, they are bound by what they write. Oh, I made a mistake. No, sorry. Write a new one. You cannot break the seal. So we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen? Cannot get access. Okay, keep reading. And we know that. Oh, hold it. And we? And we know. And we know. <laughs> See how important it is for you to know this fact? Why? Should you know this that the church is not touched by the enemy? That you are born of God? And do you know? How many Christians know that you cannot sin? <laughs> What percentage, let's guess, what percentage of Christians know that they cannot sin? 2%. 2%? I don't think so. One. I don't think so. I don't think even the strongest believers, if you really ask it, George, seriously, is this a cult? <laughs> are you telling me that you all believe that you all cannot sin? What kind of teaching are you listening to? You know why that teaching is so threatening? Because that's how Satan has access to judgment on your body. Correct? If he can tell you that, I know my spirit is saved. My soul has been redeemed. But my body is preserved. Hallelujah! Because it is not sin. He who is born of God cannot sin. Will not sin. Does not. He kept, he's kept himself. He keeps himself as a wrong translation. Go back in the Greek. Is it? He's kept. It's in the past. It's something that's happened to him. The body has no control over what. Suppose, let me ask you a question. If the body wants to get out of the tomb, can it get out? Even you cannot sin your way out of salvation. You say, no, that is, that is too heavy. That is too heavy. You know why? God said in John chapter 6, in the chapter he said, I have come to do the will of my Father. And this is the will of the Father. Of everybody that who has, he has given me, 
I have lost, I will lose none. And whoever who believes in me shall have everlasting life. He says, that is my job, not their job. It is Jesus' job to fulfill the will of the Father. So did Jesus keep, do the will of the Father of all that God has given him? Has he lost anyone? What about Judas? Judas was never given by God to Jesus. In fact, when Jesus, when, you know this is so powerful. In one of the passages, Peter cries out and says, you are the son of, the, we believe that you are the son of the living God. You are the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He used the word we. Immediately Jesus, you know when he said that, remember when he said, in the same chapter, John chapter 6, go home and read John chapter 6, the bread, the bread chapter. He said, you have to eat my blood and drink my blood. He said, it's too hard. It's too hard to understand. See, this teaching is too hard to understand, correct? That you are without sin. Right? The same thing Jesus was telling the disciples. You have to eat me, unleavened bread. You cannot eat your own self. You cannot meditate on what you have done. You have to eat me, my unleavened bread. And what is the body? Your body, my body, the body, the church is the body of Jesus Christ. Correct? The body is sinless. The church is sinless. Amen? The body is sinless. The church is sinless. Amen? The church is the body of Jesus Christ. He says, then he says, uh, then they said, then all, pretty much a lot of disciples leave Jesus after hearing that hard teaching. The same hard teaching that we are trying to understand today. Right? They leave him. And then Jesus turns around to his 12 and says, do you want to leave also? Gives them one option. Don't hang around here with peer pressure. Right? If you want to go, you'll go. So he said, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe, Peter says, we believe that you are the son of the living God. He used the word we. Immediately Jesus said, the Lord has, all of you, God has given me, but one of you is the devil. That means he said, he does not believe. See how quick Jesus is to correct, not correct, but nicely. Because he was not given. He said, all that the father gives comes to me. He was not given. He was chosen to fulfill a role. But he says, woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. The Son of Man, it is given for that the Son of Man will be, it has been determined for the Son of Man to be betrayed. But woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. That means he said, Judas didn't have to be the man. Make sense? Make sense? So it's hard teaching, correct? It's hard teaching. Keep reading. We know that the Son of Man has come and what? And has given us an understanding. What understanding? What understanding has he come and given us? That we are sinless. See, if a man comes and tells you this, you won't believe it. But the Son of Man has come and has given us an understanding. What understanding? That we are sinless. That we may know him who is true. Because he is the one who is telling that. If Jesus is telling something, even though it doesn't look, make sense, right? Because I know me. No good. <laughs> but if Jesus is faithful and true, and if he says about me something, even though I know something about me, should I not believe what he said? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, but we may know him who is true, and that, and what? 
We are in Him. Why are we sinless? We are in Jesus Christ. Make sense? This is the true God and eternal life. So if you believe this, you will have eternal life even in your body right now. Little children, keep yourself from idols. He closes with this interesting word, keep yourself. Don't try to walk, worship your own works. Believe on what Jesus has done. If keep yourself from idols means don't try to do your own work. Believe this gospel. What is this gospel? That I don't have to work. I don't have to do it. I have to believe that I am sinless in this body of Jesus Christ. And I am without sin. Hallelujah. So while Jesus' body was lying without corruption in the tomb, outside they were eating unleavened bread. You know, when Jesus was raised from the dead, that day was also a day of unleavened bread. Because they are still eating unleavened bread for seven days. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? That as long as the church is in this body, we will continue to eat unleavened bread. And by eating continually the unleavened bread, you will keep yourself from corruption and the wicked one cannot touch you. Because that is the feast that you have to keep. The feast of unleavened bread. How many days will you keep? Seven days. Why seven days? Perfect completion. That means you continue to keep. That's why Jesus said in 6, Moses gave you bread, manna from heaven and they are dead. Whether they are dead spiritually or physically. Physically. But I will give you the bread that comes from heaven. I am the bread. He eats me shall not die. Physically or spiritually? Both. So even physically. Manna couldn't do what this unleavened bread can. What is this unleavened bread? So when Jesus rose up the first day, he meets these two disciples who walk on the road to Emmaus. You know the story. He's, they start fe he starts feeding them from the scriptures about himself. So he's feeding them unleavened bread. Correct? And then he goes into his house. It's late. They get onto a table. And then he takes bread, gives thanks, and breaks it. See, when the moment you break bread. Why break bread? Because on the feast of unleavened bread, on the day of Passover, on the night of Passover, that is the 14th day of the first month, of Nisan, right? 14th night, they killed the Passover at twilight. 14th twilight is around 3 o'clock when Jesus died. Twilight, they killed the Passover lamb. That evening, they eat unleavened bread in that house. So, there was a tradition from Jesus' time called Afakemin. Af Afakemin means the things that are going to be. Very interesting. They take three breads, which are unleavened, which are pierced with lot of holes, uh, holes and lot of stripes and burnt. And they take three and they hide one which is in the middle. They hide it in a linen cloth. They break the middle one into two and hide it in a linen cloth and hide, sorry, and hide, they, they hide the middle one in a linen cloth and take one of the pieces of the broken and hide it somewhere outside and tell the children to find it. So the three bread, 
with the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. One of the Godhead was broken and then was hidden for three days. And then they had to find it. <coughs> he who finds it gets a sweet. That means he gets eternal life. So that's a picture of the feast of unleavened bread. So they would eat this afakimin, uh, that, that unleavened bread that, that does not rise because there's no yeast in it every day. And Jesus took that same bread because now remember in that house there is no leaven because it's a night. Unleavened bread is still not finished. It's still seven days. It's now first day, third day, Sabbath, and now he's, he's risen on the day of Sabbath and he meets his disciples. He breaks his bread and takes and says, this is the bread that was broken for me. Correct? The same bread, he celebrates communion. So communion is unleavened bread. Correct? So when you eat communion, you are not looking at your sin. In fact, communion is celebrated exactly the opposite. You are constantly reminding yourself of your leaven. And communion is the feast of unleavened bread. You are, so what bread is this? The bread that you are in Christ Jesus. And you are without sin in Christ Jesus. Because he is faithful. He has called me fair, sinless. And I'm holding on to that confession. Correct? And then when you eat that bread, you're eating of Jesus. Because we are now of him. Remember, we are now not separate of Jesus. Our body, his body, are we. Hold it. Something, just, you understand this whole concept. His body that you are eating is you. So you are eating a sinless body. But at the same time, that sinless body is the church. Therefore, this is because we partake of this one body. We are one, Paul says. Correct? Because who is this one body? Jesus Christ. And we are partaking of it. So, so why is the church not celebrating communion regularly? Passover once, done. But unleavened bread, he said, keep on eating. Keep doing this as a daily remembrance of me. Why? Why do you need daily remembrance? Or as often as you eat of it, you remember the Lord's death. What death? That you are eating the body of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the body is telling you, I have to pay the price. I have to pay the price. I want to corrupt. It's because it's an old body, right? And the old body wants to naturally gravitate towards paying the price and to die. But every time you take this cup and you hold it up and break it and give thanks, you're declaring the price is paid. The punishment is done. The body has taken the part. So you remind the body. Corruption cannot start. Corruption cannot start. Why? Corruption cannot start. The body has corrupted, has died once before already. It's already fast forwarded and died. So you cannot even start the race. So how often should you remind it? Every time you feel, you feel the sense of judgment over you. You take the body and say, I am sinless in Christ Jesus because my Savior has died for me. And this is the blood of the new covenant. The covenant that says, I will remember your sins no more. You know, the covenant is not that I will remember your sins and confess your sins. No, that is the old covenant. When you have to confess your sins over gods and animals and kill them. But the new covenant is, I will remember your sins no more. So you take this communion regularly because you still have an old body but without sin. sin because you truly
truly are unleavened. Hallelujah. Did you know that verse was there that you are unleavened? You thought Jesus was unleavened, right? Hallelujah. You truly are unleavened. You know the power of this we know now? You know what you know? What you know? What you know is more powerful than all the armies put together. What Joshua knew while walking around Jericho, that all I have to do is blow the death of a male ram. The walls will come down. It looks so silly. It looks so stupid. But that's what we do when we take communion. We are blowing the, the ram of a killed male ram. We are declaring his death. How many times did Joshua have to go around Jericho? <laughs> How funny is that? How often did Joshua take communion should be the question. Think about it. I just got it right now. Just got it right now. How often should you take communion? How often do you, how many walls do you want falling? Or do you want to fight those walls? As often as you want your walls to be destroyed. Seven days I will blow the horn of the male ram who was killed. As often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Because when he comes, what happens? You get a new body. Hallelujah. Now there is no problem of corruption. Correct? We are raptured. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, celebrate the feast of unleavened bread. The Bible says, oh, this is so fun. This is so much fun. Paul, you know, was a big Pharisee, Judaizer, and he used to always, you know, go, come against the Jews, and it's very powerful. I have to close with this thought. Paul used to constantly say, don't keep the feast and do all this and get into all this Jewish stuff and all that, because they're trying to put you under condemnation and bring you under the law. But there is one feast that Paul said, keep. Do you know which feast he told to keep? Oh. <laughs> so, give me the worst. <laughs> Do you know where the verse is? Do you want to know? Yes. Are you like enough? It's done. It's finished. <laughs> you're like Jesus. You're like Jesus on the lot. <laughs> It's finished. I'm like, done, man, done. I understand it. I get the point. Body, <laughs> sinful, all that. I get it. No, no, no. no. Let's close. Let's close with this. First Corinthians chapter, chapter 5. We just studied that. Powerful, powerful chapter. First Corinthians chapter 5. <laughs> you know something? He's talking about this unleavened bread to which church? Corinthian <laughs> church. These are the guys who are sleeping with death. <laughs> temple okay we got the point this is the church where one man has somebody else's you know this is the church that is all messed up and he tells this church you are unleavened what will that do to a church not to the Philippian church not to the official church to the church of Corinthians God definitely has a sense of God loves you, man. God loves you. Of all the churches, 
So he tells this church, a Gentile church, a church that you think is sinning crazy. Correct? He tells this church what? Therefore, let us keep the feast. He's telling a Gentile church, keep this feast. Which feast is this? Feast of unleavened bread. Why? What is that feast? It's the, it's the communion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to keep your confession that you are without sin. First John chapter 5. If you keep on confessing that you are without sin, you are dishonoring the work of the body of Jesus Christ. If you tell that you are with sin, what are you really telling is, Jesus has in his body, there is sin. Think about it. Think about it. You are telling that Jesus' body has sin. That is incredible pride on your behalf. If Jesus, God his father, looked down upon Jesus and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and has received his spirit into his hands and said the work is complete. Who are you? Hold it, hold it, hold it. Who are you? Who are you? What, what judgment and what position that you have to tell that Jesus' body has sinned right now? I mean, who gives you authority to say that Jesus' body has sinned? When his father looked out on heaven and looked at the complete sacrifice and said, I receive it. It's done. It's paid up. How can you say? How can you say that? You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. That's pride, right? That's pride to say that there is sin in the body of Jesus Christ. There is no sin in the body. I didn't give you hundreds of verses where he says he gives you spotless and blameless above reproach before the Father in heaven. In Jude, he starts by saying, to you who have known the truth, grace and peace be multiplied to you. But then he goes on to condemn all these other guys who are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he comes back at the end and says, but you, my brethren, you know, so powerful. You should see the book of Jude. It's like, it's a distinction between those who believe that they are without sin and those who believe all this corrupted, you can't even call it the gospel. Keep reading. Purge out the old leaven, get born again. Be a new lump. You can only be a new lump when you are born again. Because if you are born of the old lump, you still carry the yeast of the old love. That's why Jesus did not want you to. That's why he told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You cannot be cleaned up. You cannot be cleaned up. Because you still have the old yeast. You have to be born again. You have to be born of the new lump. The new lump is born of God. First John chapter 5. You have to be born of God who is the new lump. Correct? Remember Jesus pierced. See that all that picture is an actual picture of a sinless body. We are born out of water and blood, out of a sinless body, of a new lump right now. Make sense? You got it? I mean, see how prophetic that picture is of what happened on the body of Jesus Christ. And finally, 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 I 
uh, write this out, but I will not teach it. But uh, Hebrews chapter 10, read the whole chapter of Hebrews chapter 10. Hold fast the confession for he is faith, faithful. Whole chapter of confession. He says, worshippers once purified will have no more consciousness of sins. <laughs> that is Hebrews chapter 10. He says, if you are once purified, you should not have consciousness of sins. Hebrews chapter 10. So if you constantly are, you know, those people who condemn each other are the ones who condemn themselves first. When you are condemned yourself, you condemn others. When you know that you are not without sin, you don't find sin in others. Correct? There you go. Okay. There's another one. And then, uh, great mystery, great mystery, gospel. Protected, hold fast. Sanctify you completely. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Somebody read that. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hold it. Did you get that? Underline that. Write it. Underline that verse. It says what? May the God of peace, that means God is at peace with you right now. Right? God is at peace with you. Not angry with you, totally. Can you imagine God at peace with you? When God, when, when a king was at peace with all his neighbors, he prospered above all the kings in the world. Which king was that? Solomon. When he had peace, he became the richest man. When God is at peace with you, think. Health, prosperity, victory, every area. Right? He, God is at peace with you. What does he do? Himself. Sanctify means separate. Your, you, how? Completely. completely. Just like sealed, secured, under guard. Completely. Separate you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved. Blameless. I understand your spirit and your soul being preserved blameless. Did you know this verse talks about your body is preserved blameless? Why is it important that your body is blameless? If body was with sin. If a body is with sin, the body is not blameless. Correct? The Bible says, God of peace will preserve your body blameless when? After the coming of Jesus Christ? That means when Jesus comes, he receives a bride which is blameless. So, does he say he makes them blameless or preserves them? That means what? What is preserve? Pickle. You are pickled in righteousness. You get the picture? You were once fresh. Now you are pickled. <laughs> I like that. You were once fresh. Alkesh. You are always fresh. You are always fresh. Look at some pickled lies. <laughs> cannot even use that analogy on him, you know. <laughs> he, doesn't he look fresh? Yes. I mean, how many years? 15 years he looks the same, you know. Yeah, I think he colors his hair. No? <laughs> he doesn't. No corruption at all, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. How many believe that we will not color our hair? <laughs> hey, that's corruption, right? Corruption. Hallelujah. So we are pickled in righteousness. We are preserved blameless. We started off being born blameless. We are kept blameless. Where? Not in our spirit. Not just in our soul. But in our body too. In our body too. So stop taking 
I don't want to use the word. On your body. Don't stop taking stuff on your body. Because Satan has no authority over you. He who is born of God does not sin and he keeps himself. Means keeps himself means he's kept himself. He's kept under God. Look at the Greek word for keeps himself. He's kept under God. Same word that Pilate used about the body of Jesus Christ. How powerful is that? And there are a lot more powerful truths that the Bible has about your trend, the confession, and you are hold fast to this confession. Amen? So, are you willing to hold fast to this confession? Let nobody cheat you of your reward. Colossians, go and read Colossians. So, now with this understanding, I want you to read a few chapters, right? Write it down. Hebrews chapter 10. The whole book of Colossians. Colossians is just, I think, a couple of chapters. Right. Colossians. The whole book of Jude. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Revelations uh, the, the passage where he measures the church. Remember the New Jerusalem that comes down from heaven? That's a picture of the church and he says go and measure it. It's all equal everywhere. It's all perfect. There is no blemish in it. The bride is perfect. That's a, read that. So that's a picture of the church. Correct? So you get this picture? So why, do, why is it important for you to know that you are without sin and blameless and perfect and without blemish? Because you are eating of unleavened bread every day. God has made you that. The body is that. Because we know, we know, we know, we know. And who has given you this knowledge? The Holy Spirit. God himself. God has given. We have this knowledge that he is good. Why is it important for you to know? Because now the enemy cannot touch you. Hallelujah. Are you excited about this word? A sinless place. The body of Jesus Christ. A sinless place. Hallelujah. Are you ready to have communion today? And can you have communion at your home? Amazon. Just order it. You can order communion. Whole boxes. We are constantly using our communion boxes in our house. You know. We have seen incredible favor in our life. Stuff that we did not work for, right? Come in, because now we are just eating of the unleavened bread. How often should you eat it? How often should you walk around Jericho? How, how, how much victory do you need? How much victory can you handle? How much victory can you handle? You will have to say, Lord, this is just like too much victory. I just, you know, I feel bad for some of my other guys. They don't even work as hard as I do, but I, get, I seem to get all the blessing. Why? Because someone has paid the price. And you are in him. You are in him. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you'll say, but I have a lot of stuff. Don't worry. Stop feeding off your leavened stuff. Feed on him. Meditate on him. And eat of him. And all things become well. Because now you start getting his victories. Amen. Are you ready for that? So don't be anxious about anything in your life. Just eat unleavened bread. Confess, don't ever, don't ever the enemy bring thought of it. No, I do not pray enough, I do not meditate enough, I do not do that. No, 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 no. You don't put yourself in a place of judgment about the body of Jesus Christ. Declare the same confession. Remember, the blood has already done his part. You do your part. And what is your part? The confession. Amen? Are you excellent? Are you ready for a great year? A prophetic year? Hallelujah. God is good. And God is revealing you all these truths in the world. Because his son is coming. 
this year, next year, but God is getting ready because this generation who receives these truths are the generation that will not die. How cool is that? The generation that knows that their body is sinless is the generation that will not see corruption. And how good, how fitting is that for God to let the truth go first, then the fruits come out. The fruit is no death. And I'm declaring that a generation, we are the generation that will not see death. We'll be translated into Jesus. Very soon. Very soon. Are you getting ready for it? Yes. Just get ready for it. Lord, look for it. As these things begin to happen, the Bible says, look, look up. Because your redemption draws nigh. While your, your redemption draws nigh, confess and receive this commandment. Let's go ahead and take this. because his healing was done by his stripes yeah. but not by his piercings yeah. he, a piercing was for the church to be born that's why Jesus did not feel the piercing right uh, Jesus did not feel the piercing because he was not in the body right his spirit had already departed correct so he did not feel the piercing by his stripes we are healed not by his piercing his actually his internal organs was messed up because the Bible says by his stripes were completely plowed. They borrowed into my back, the Bible says, Psalmist says. And they plowed in my back. How do you plow into your back and not touch stuff? He plowed. In fact, the Bible says by his stripes we are healed. Means the Bible, the word for stripes there is a singular stripe. That means they beat him so much that all the stripes became one big uh, valley on his back. And by his stripes we are healed. So it went deep. It cut deep. And it's completely done. It's finished. It's all over. It's all over. We've, we've received the victory. We have done. There's nothing more we have to do. Right? The less you have to do, it's good for you. Right? You, your legs are broken. Relax. There's nothing you can do even if you want to do. And every work with broken legs is messy stuff. It's pity to see somebody trying to do stuff when their legs are broken. It's messy. Don't do it. Don't attempt. Relax. Enjoy. Don't worry about everything. Have communion and let God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit work through you and produce the fruit. What you could not produce with a dead law, with a law that you broke, but God can create with a living Savior in your life. And you bear much fruit. 
and said, they said, Rejoice, O Zion, she, she who was not barren and without she who was barren and without a husband has many more children than than she who was with a husband. Right? We are of the church. We are more fruitful and in shorter time, without labor pains. Without labor pains. And more fruitful than one who had a husband. And tried to live perfect. Hallelujah. Our husband is the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the church. The mother of us all. Who is the church? The body of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself. Hallelujah. Are you ready to have communion? Now with this understanding of communion, let's take this communion. This body, the Bible says, do this. What did Jesus do that night? He took the body. He lifted it up. He gave thanks and broke it. Let's break the bread. That reminds that Jesus' body was broken for us. And his body, this is unleavened bread. The Bible says, your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats of me shall never die. Oh, hallelujah. Can you receive this body, this unleavened body of Jesus Christ? It's a sinless body. Now receive it and say, I receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for all the healing in our bodies right now. For we have partaken of the sinless body of Jesus Christ. We are partaking of the feast of unleavened bread. We know the whole world is under the sway of the enemy. But he who is born of God keeps is kept. And the wicked one cannot touch us. Therefore, no corruption, no sickness in our body right now. By your stripes, we are all healed. First Peter says, in past tense, we were healed. For Isaiah 53 says, we are healed. But First Peter says, we were healed. It's in the past. It's already done for us. And we receive our healing. You'll say, Anil, I don't know if this kind of healing can happen. It's not your job to judge. It's God's job to, for your job to believe. What is the work that you are supposed to do? Believe that Jesus has done his work. Thank you, Jesus, because you have done the work. My healing has been accomplished on your body. By your stripes, we are healed, Master. For every provision in our body, every lack, every sickness, every disease, every poverty, our jobs, our favor, our relationship, everything that pertains to life, we receive it freely, Lord. For our studies, for our children, favor at our workplace, in our school, in our everywhere, Lord. Lord, we receive it, O oh Master. Let floodgates of mercy and favor right now open up for us. Oh, we confess it with our mouth that we are of the sinless body of Jesus Christ and we are truly unleavened. Thank you, Master. Now let's take the cup. Jesus said, this cup is my blood that was shed for you. You know, this blood has completely, completely, first the student says completely, completely, Completely means without any leftover. Completely cleansed you. And made you whiter than snow. You're completely a new man. A new woman. And the Bible says, this is my blood that was shed for you. And this is also the new covenant in my blood. What covenant? 
that I will remember your sins no more. So don't bring your sins up to me. For I have made a covenant and I will not break this covenant to my father. That I will remember your sins no more. The father remembers your sins no more and therefore he's called the God of peace. He's at peace with you. Now let's declare. Lord God, I receive this blood as a confirmation that my sins has been put away and removed from my from your sight and I have received your perfection and I receive your no condemnation as a free gift father God your covenant stands that you remember my sins no more therefore Lord I am righteous therefore the the, the reward of a righteous man I, I comes to me surely goodness and mercy shall overtake me and I live in the house of the Lord forever. Let's go ahead and receive this cup. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Thank you, Master.